Hey guys, welcome to the Brave Marriage Podcast. I'm Kinsey Dzinski, a licensed marriage and family therapist and certified professional coach. And this is a podcast for couples who want to grow as individuals, do marriage with intention, and live mutually empowered, purposeful lives. I'm so glad you're joining me for this series on change. And if you're new to the show, welcome. Feel free to browse through earlier episodes to find the topics that resonate most for you. And if you've been listening for a while now and you haven't yet left a rating or review, I would love your feedback if you have a moment. To rate the show takes less than a second, as all you have to do is tap on the stars. But leaving a review is not only an encouragement to me, it's also a great way to help new couples find brave marriage and know what to expect of this podcast. On today's episode, we're talking about how to change your attitude. But before I ask you to consider changing your attitude on something, I'd like to define it first to help you better understand what an attitude is as well as how our attitudes function. An attitude is defined as a mental or emotional posture taken for a specific purpose. So first, an attitude is a mental or emotional posture. It's a stance that you take on something. And that something you're taking a stance on is neutral, by the way, but your attitude about it is what gives it meaning in your life. Let's take change, for example. In and of itself, change is neither good or bad. Sure, change can lead to something that we perceive as good or bad, but change doesn't assume a positive or negative quality. We as humans do that. Our own minds form thoughts, beliefs, and opinions about change, which shape our attitude toward it. Some of us have an open attitude toward change, seeing it as an opportunity, as something exciting to lean into and see what comes next. Others of us have a reluctant attitude toward change, seeing change as a threat to the world as we know it, or at least, to our own levels of comfort. And what this dichotomy demonstrates is the second part of the definition, that an attitude serves a specific purpose in our lives. And that specific purpose will always be to facilitate our growth or to keep us from having to grow. So those of us who have a welcome attitude toward change have come to view it as an invitation toward growth, whereas those of us who have a reluctant attitude toward change have come to view it as a threat to our set norms. The former attitude toward change is about identity development and formation, whereas the latter attitude toward change is about control. Remember, when it comes to change from a systems perspective, our natural tendency, until we've practiced something different or learned a better way, is to revert back to our set norms. And because changing an attitude, habit, belief, or behavior requires way more energy than staying the same, a welcome attitude means more energy will be required, whereas a reluctant attitude means I can stay within my own comfort zone. You with me so far? Now, we just defined an attitude as a mental or emotional posture that serves a specific purpose in our lives, right? Well, here's where I want you to pay attention. The specific purpose for which we hold certain attitudes is often unbeknownst to us. See, our attitudes serve our psyche in ways most of us, most of the time, are largely unaware, and these subconscious attitudes can lead to our biases. So it's not until we become aware of our own attitudes that we have the ability to change them. But the good news is, we have the ability to change them. 
I was reading Liturgy of the Ordinary this morning by Tish Warren, and something she said fit right into this week's teaching. She writes that some of us as Christians seem to think that the end-all be-all, or the right way to live, is to pursue correct theology, as if believing rightly translates into right living. The problem with this is, and I quote, For the most part, we are not primarily motivated by our conscious thoughts. Most of what we do is precognitive. We don't usually think about our beliefs or worldview as we brush our teeth or go grocery shopping and drive our cars. So, our attitudes then, which are largely mechanisms of our subconscious, until we make them conscious, are serving to help our human nature either express itself or protect itself despite what we consciously believe. Isn't that an interesting thought? For me, it emphasizes my dire need for God's grace. And it also begs the question, okay, if the attitudes keeping me from growth are primarily subconscious, then what am I supposed to do? As you pause for a moment to take that in, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by my free research-based relationship quiz. Have you ever wanted a professional insider's look at your relationship? Well, I've created a short quiz that lets you in on the state of your relationship based on four different components of marital health. After taking the quiz, you'll receive an immediate score, plus a description of your score will be sent straight to your inbox, followed by one action step, next steps to take, and one prayer for your marriage. To get in on that free resource, just visit bravemarriage.com quiz. Again, that's bravemarriage.com quiz. Okay, so I want to give you a practical way to help you change your attitude, no matter what attitude it is you're trying to change. Maybe it's one within your marriage, or an attitude toward your spouse, toward yourself, or toward others. Regardless, these same steps apply. So without further ado, how to change your attitude. The first step is state your desired outcome. We have to do this first to figure out whether or not our attitude supports our desired goal. The reality is it's rare that we change our attitudes on things unless we know it's going to be better for us in the end. And so often when we're trying to make change, we start with the end in mind, but we quickly forget what the end goal was or why we felt like it was so important to make this change in the first place. So stating your desired outcome will not only remind you of the goal you're trying to achieve, but it will also help you evaluate whether or not your attitude is aligned with that goal. So if my goal is doing yoga for 90 days, my desired outcome is consistency of habit. And I have to remind myself of my desired outcome in order to know whether or not my attitude supports me getting there. Because if I don't remind myself for my desire for consistency, I'll fail to recognize my attitude as something standing in the way of that. And counterproductively, I'll then actually use my negative attitude to stay the same and not change. And, as if that weren't enough, I'll then convince myself that forming a yoga practice simply isn't in the cards for me. And that, my friends, is called a positive feedback loop. Trying to make change, but inadvertently reinforcing the same old patterns and over time, making things worse, first in my own mind and then in my own life. 
or you may be more familiar with the common term for this process, known as a self-fulfilling prophecy. And that's what we don't want. So stating your desired outcome is the first step in evaluating whether or not your current attitude supports your desired goal. The second step is start paying attention to your attitude. If your attitude isn't aligned with your desired outcome, then you have to start paying attention to know what attitude you need to change. Remember, because our attitudes are mostly subconscious, we have to then make them conscious. And here's what I want you to pay attention to specifically. The ABCs of your attitude. Affect, behavior, and cognition. Let's start with cognition. Cognition refers to all the thoughts, all the self-talk, and all the beliefs you have about something. So with my yoga practice, these are the real-life thoughts I've had over the past three weeks of forming a new habit. I want to do yoga. Yoga is the best fit for me right now. Yoga helps me feel relaxed and calmer. Yoga is a great option for my mental and physical health. I'm too tired. I don't feel like doing yoga. This pose doesn't feel great to my body. I'm not great at consistency. I'm not very good at hard things. Okay, so in real life, these thoughts come and go, and they're not as ordered as I've made them for you here, but they're all floating around in and out of my consciousness. But I didn't know they were all there until I started to pay more attention. And once I did, what I discovered was a degree of cognitive dissonance, meaning there's some psychological conflict happening as my thoughts, beliefs, and self-talk are currently fighting each other. And you'll likely find that too. But one thing that's helped me identify the overarching theme of my thoughts amidst the cognitive dissonance is to ask myself, what am I really saying here? If I could condense all of these opposing thoughts and beliefs, what am I really saying to myself? For me, I realized I've been saying, I really want to change and be consistent and do yoga, but I can't do hard things when I'm tired or when I don't feel like it or when I experience mild discomfort. Well, gee, that's an empowering message, right? But goodness gracious, this is such human nature, a survival technique, really, to hold out the very change I'm trying to make as the enemy of my comfort. My cognition, then, influences my affect and behavior. My affect meaning my expressed feelings, emotions, or reactions to my inner experience, and my behavior meaning both the actions and inactions I take as it pertains to my desired outcome. And those are the other two aspects of your own attitude that I want you to start paying attention to. How does your cognition manifest through your affect and behavior? Do you find yourself acting sullen, moody, down, disgruntled? And does that lead to action or inaction? For me, I found myself vacillating between feeling empowered and ready to show up on the mat and feeling drab and resistant to showing up. And 19 days out of 21 so far, this has led me to practice yoga over not practicing yoga, but I have noted the days where I showed up on willpower but experienced disengagement or resistance throughout my practice. So again, it's important to pay attention to the ABCs of attitude so that you can collect the information you need then to actually change your attitude. 
The third step of changing your attitude is asking yourself this question. What new thought do I need to think to make this behavior change easier? Once you begin paying attention to your attitude, you'll begin to identify your self-talk as I just described. And because our self-talk is often what leads to our affect and behavior, that's the very place where we need to begin in making change to our attitude. So for me, the thought I need to think more is I can do hard things. Even when I'm uncomfortable, even when I don't feel like it, I can do hard things. Because remember, what I discovered through paying attention to the ABCs of my attitude was that I was trying to do yoga with an attitude of, I can't do hard things when I'm tired or when I don't feel like it or experience mild discomfort. And here's the thing with that. That attitude, if you'll allow me to personify it for a second, thinks it's helping me. It's primitively fighting for my survival, if you will, helping me conserve energy, reserve effort, and in effect, convincing me to stay the same and not to grow. Why? Because not doing yoga is my current homeostasis, or set norm. My mind doesn't have the programming yet to accept my yoga practice as not only safe, but generative. So when I'm able to stand meta to my attitude, I become aware that all it's currently doing is creating resistance and sabotaging my efforts to act consistently and habitually for the sake of my own well-being. So again, the new thought I need to think more is, I can do hard things. That's the thought that will help me bridge the gap between my self-doubt and my desired outcome. So what new thought do you need to think to make your behavior change easier toward your desired outcome? The fourth and final step of this process is to keep practicing this new thought until the ABCs of your attitude are congruent. And there are two easy ways to practice this. One, you can set up daily reminders for yourself in different ways or at various times throughout the day. Maybe when you get up or go to bed or at mealtimes. And all this does is it helps you be intentional about the attitude change you're trying to make. Because it's not your go-to thought at this point, you have to remind yourself of it. And two, you can use this new thought to direct yourself when you find yourself thinking automatic thoughts and ones that aren't helpful or true. Personally, I've been using this one during my yoga practice as that's when the old thoughts seem to creep in. And while I don't fully believe the new thought myself yet, and I'm still experiencing cognitive dissonance, I believe it more than when I first started. First of all, due to the repetition of thought, and also because the evidence is beginning to point toward that truth. The evidence being, my practice is getting easier, and I haven't quit or had to stop. Therefore, the evidence is pointing back to my new thought that I can do hard things. And the idea is to keep practicing new thoughts and behavior until my mind is convinced that they're both good for me. Because when you think about it, the only things we really have control over at all are our own thoughts and actions. So if one or the other isn't working for you, you know it's time to take a look at your own internal system to see what's not functioning as you'd like it to. All right, friends, you now have a better understanding than most psych majors of what an attitude is 
what purpose it serves, and how to effectively change it. I just hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed explaining it because I think this is a really important concept to understand. You know, this is some of the work I've done when coaching individuals, but in my work with couples, it's not an area that I get to focus on as much. With couples, I'm trained to work particularly with restructuring emotional experiences between them and setting up behavioral changes, but one of the things I find couples struggle with is this very concept. One or maybe both partners struggle with sticking to the changes being made and trusting that it's safe to do so. They start making progress but then resist the process because they're waiting for the other shoe to drop. And this makes sense to me because attachment-wise, their brains are saying, hey, this is unsafe and uncharted territory. So while their negative attitudes are constructive in that they're self-protective, ultimately, they're destructive and self-sabotaging to their desired outcome for their marriage relationship. But when I can help couples understand what's happening and they start to become aware of these self-protective attitudes, they're able then to learn to do something different and it's like a light switch flips on and they move more quickly often toward finishing therapy. So if you're in therapy or working on your marriage, understand that your attitude may be the very thing that's keeping you guys stuck. And next week, we'll apply all these things to the marriage relationship talking about how to change your marriage when both of you are on board, and then the following week, how to change your marriage when only one of you is on board. So I'm really excited to share those episodes with you, and please know my office is located in Lexington, Kentucky, and if you're a Kentucky resident, I'd be happy to work with you through marriage therapy, or if you live out of state but would like further guidance or help on this, I offer one-hour consultation calls and would be more than happy to talk with you over the phone. So if you're interested, I invite you to check out my services at bravemarriage.com. Your action step for this week is to ask yourself, what attitude might be hindering my growth? And once you do this self-check, walk yourself through the four-step process we just walked through together. And my prayer for us this week is that we'd give intentional thought to whatever is true, noble, right, lovely, praiseworthy, excellent, admirable, and pure, that we might align our attitudes accordingly. And not stopping there, that we'd give careful thought to the paths our feet take, being guided by integrity and remaining steadfast in all of our ways. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Love is not a battle Love is not a bond Love is just as fragile